So it has been up o- over a year since I've been up here to talk to you guys. Um, amen? Dude, I got the mic. And I want to thank Roger and Craig for filling in for me. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, but I'm back. I'm back, and now here's what you get. Um, Matthew is a very important book for me. Uh, I, I realized uh, this last month that I was uh, asked to preach on, on this passage or in the book of Matthew. It has been 30 years since I was walking through a soccer field when we lived in Oceanside, and a, and a man asked me, uh, do you believe in Jesus 30 years ago? Now, I was, uh, came from a Lutheran ba- background. I was infant baptized. I went to confirmation classes. I was confirmed at 14, and then I walked away. I kind of put my religion on hold. So I was coaching soccer with this guy. I know nothing about soccer, but I had two little boys on the team at the time. JT was seven, and Matt was five. And he said, do you believe in God? And I said, well, sure I do. He said, do you believe in the Trinity? I said, absolutely, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you believe what the Bible says? I said, sure, it's the inerrant word of God, again. Good confirmed Lutheran. He said, uh, have, you, have you ever read it? <laughs> oh, you had the same question, right? I said, uh, no. He said, why would you believe in something you've never read? That is stupid. And I said, okay, I've got to go home and find my white Bible with my name on it that I got in confirmation with the zipper. You guys all got the same one? <laughs> Catholics, Lutherans, right? Raise your hand, right? And uh, he said, no, no, no. He reached into his trunk, and he handed me a Bible, and he said, start with this one. And didn't mean to get choked up, but this is the very one he handed me 30 years ago. And I said, why, w- why would you have a Bible in your trunk? He said, I got one in my glove box. I got one on my bed. I got one on the mantle. I got one on the coffee table. He said, Rick, it's a workbook. And I said, okay, I'll start reading it. And I opened to Genesis, and he said, no, 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 start in Matthew. So why would I start in the middle of the book? He said, get to know who Jesus Christ is, and then you can worry about the old covenant. So seven months into it, September 13, 1990, uh, I surrendered my life to Christ 30 years ago. Amen, right? Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. The reason I share that is because... Is uh, I look at this Bible now, and I, I happen to be, happen to be, I, ironic, there's no such thing in Hebrew Scripture, I happen to find this Bible, it's falling apart, pages are coming out, these are the pages I didn't want in the Scripture, <laughs> that's what we get to do, but I, uh, it's falling apart, and a man once said to me, if your Bible's falling apart, your life isn't, and if your Bible's nice and pristine, your life's probably falling apart, Amen. And in, uh, in the front here, there's a prayer list, April 26, 1991. And I'm not going to go through it, but there's 10 prayers here, and they're still pretty relevant today for me. Um, financial burden, your will continue to show the ways of wisdom. Pray that the Holy Spirit's fire still blazes in me. And, and it's, it's amazing, 30 years later, if you don't write down your prayers, how do you know if they've been answered? So... 30 years later, I still find awe and wonder in this book. I brought two Bibles up here, one in Hebrew and Greek, so I'm going to go ahead and, (laughs) right? I'm going to use Aramaic. Everybody knows that. Um, Today, I've been tasked 
to talk about prayer. And uh, how many people pray? How many people know how to pray? Well, some of you put your hands down. How many people know what not to do? And that's what we're going to talk about. This last month, I've been sharing uh, in my business travels and with some of my golf buddies, um, hey, we're, I'm going to talk about prayer. And they're like, oh, good, say this or say that or this is how I do it. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you don't do that because that's between you and God. Everybody knows that prayer is just talking to God, right? It's communion with God. So I'm not going to stand up here because you all have an opinion and a way that you pray and how you pray. So some of your prayers are quiet. Sometimes you're alone. Sometimes you're in a group. Sometimes they're really long. Sometimes they're really short. And all these prayers can be justified with scripture verses, right? Like in Matthew 23, after Jesus fed the 5,000 to a large group, where did he go? He went alone to pray by himself. A group prayer at the Last Supper, Jesus prayed in Matthew 26, 27. He broke bread and gave thanks. Okay, a group prayer. Long prayers, John 17. And we'll go in a little bit. That's actually the Lord's Prayer. John 17. The whole chapter is Jesus praying to his Lord, to God the Father. They're short prayers. What did Peter say when he stepped out of the boat? He looked at Jesus and said, save me, right? Short prayer. Thief on the cross said what? Remember me. You guys should know this. The beggars looked at Jesus and said, heal me. And the woman who touched his robe said, help me. So sometimes the prayers can be short, sometimes they can be long. So I'm not going to tell you how to pray, but I'm going to tell you how not to pray from Jesus according to Scripture. One of the things I love about all the pastors that have worked here, from Dan Schaefer to Brad Fogel, Craig Cooper, Roger Horning, if it ain't in Scripture, it ain't right. Amen? It's just opinion. So if you open your Bibles to Matthew 6 with me, Verse five, starting in verse 5. This is where the almost 60-year-old glasses come out. Verse 5, Jesus spends a lot of time on this. Does your Bible heading say prayer or the Lord's Prayer? Lord's Prayer. If you're using a, a pew Bible, it says the Lord's Prayer. Some of you say prayer. Model prayer. Oh, well, Dennis Ryan has a, he must have a Calvary Chapel Bible. Um, uh, anyway, it's uh, the model prayer. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. I'm looking at Cindy going, hey, I, but I took the power. The magic prayer, the model prayer. Let's say this together, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now that's where scripture stops but how many of you were brought up with for nine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen? Okay? Lutherans, Catholics? What? Presbyterian? What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm just kidding. God bless you. Um, so, 
So when we're looking at, at this prayer, um, it, it's interesting. We say we don't know how to memorize scripture, but everybody knows that, right? Before every college football game I played in high school or college, the coach would talk about the team and he'd say, here's what we're going to do, and here's what they're going to do. All right, let's go get them. Let's get down here and kneel in prayer. And we would mumble that. You guys ever been there? Right? We'd mumble that. And then we'd get up and go, let's go kill them. <laughs> and I thought that was the dumbest thing ever, right? But I mean, here I'm a confirmed Lutheran. I was just happy that I knew the prayer because the other guys were mumbling. They were looking at me. I was looking at them. I'm like, I know it. I know it. I didn't live it, but I knew it. Ever gone through that? There's scripture stuff we know, we live. There's certain things we just mumble. <laughs> First time, Lori and I started dating 45 years ago and I've been married almost 40. Play, yeah, amen for you, right? And um, she is a saint. So remember the first time she came to our house for, for dinner. My brother and I, I have an older brother and, and we're two and a half years apart. My parents go, okay, we're gonna pray. It was like, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let's food all you bless. In Jesus' name, yes, and amen. And Lori looked over like, what was that? And I said, well, let's come over to Jesus, be our guest. Let's food all yours. Jesus, name me, ask him in. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. That's just the chant we do before we eat. Or bless us, O Lord, for these are gifts, right? Right, right? That's. So we have this stuff, and we have no idea what it says. Um, Amazing Grace. I knew that song from when I was a little kid. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Well, not till I got saved that I went, wait, he, wretch? Wait a minute. Or there's some of our songs, you know, how many can sing American Pie all nine minutes through? <laughs> she can. <laughs> what does that song mean? <laughs> or Stairway to Heaven. I knew that song. I don't know. What's a hedgerow? I have no idea. But we know those songs, but we have no idea what they mean. You know what's scary? We do that with Scripture. We look at this prayer and we go, what does this prayer mean? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, most theologians don't call this the Lord's Prayer. And we'll talk about that too. The Lord's Prayer, and trust me on this, by opening your Bible to John 17, when you get home, read it through, that is the Lord praying to God. This is not the Lord praying to God. This is called the model prayer. So for the life of me, I can't find out who was the first person who called this the Lord's Prayer. I Googled it, and it wasn't there. Now, if you Google it, it's not there. It probably doesn't exist, right? Some say it was Catholic origin, that Pater Noster, the Our Father, which really makes more sense, doesn't it? I'm not giving a Catholic son of credit here, but they got this one right. The Our Father, because Our Father is a more appropriate title than the Lord's Prayer. Some people treat the prayer as a magic formula. Uh, one of my Catholic buddies said, yeah, we used to chant the Our Fathers. Got to do ten of those. Got to do five Hail Marys. Got to do the whole thing, right? You guys grew up in Catholic, Catholic Church? Were those magic words? Is that what Scripture is meant for? I don't think so. Um, we'll talk about the Jewish tradition here in a second. Um... Scripture teaches just the opposite, that it's not the words themselves that have power or influence. See, do we even expect our prayers to be answered? Right here, and when you look at Acts 12, and I just wrote it up here, and if you can't see it, please open your Bibles to that. 
Acts 12, 5. So the setting here is Herod was trying to be happy with the Jews and with the Pharisees. So what he did is he gathered, captured a lot of the Christians. And right before Peter gets captured and put in prison, he kills James. All right? So now you know where we're at. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So they're praying, right? These are first century Christians. They're praying. God bless them. Move down to chapter 11. What happens is the angel comes in and takes away Peter's uh, chains and gets him out of the, out of the uh, prison cell. And they're walking down the street, and boom, the angel disappears. And Peter's thinking, this is a vision, this is a dream. So it says there on verse 11, Peter came to himself, and he said, Now I'm sure the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. What did they expect? Kill him. Right? Kill him. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, this is important, in her joy, she did not open the gate but ran back and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Did she believe? We're praying. Peter's at the door. We just prayed. Peter showed up. Praise God. Right? And what did they do? They said, you're out of your mind. These are the people who were praying. These were the leaders of the first century church. You're crazy. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it's got to be his angel. Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Ever had prayer answered? Were you expecting it? Were you amazed? Okay. Why are we amazed when God answers our prayer? Does God answer every prayer? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The answer might be no. The answer might be not yet. It's the way we ask. And that's what Jesus is going to show his disciples. Um, why is this important? Because I think it's important why we pray and what Jesus meant when he was instructing them how to pray. So if you go to Matthew 6, start in verse 5. Go to verse 8. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? Greek word for hypocrite. Actor. Hollywood. Are those real people? Anything Denzel is in, he's real, right? I mean, he's just good. But it's pretty, I mean, they're acting. They're acting. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't be like the actors. Don't just stand up there standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So let's break this down. If you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. What did they do? They stood. What do we do? We like to kneel. We like to close our eyes. We like to bow our heads. Is that necessary? Is that a biblical concept? No. What are, what are, what are you doing? Come on. Um, bowing your heads, showing reverence to God. 
Closing your eyes, you stay focused. Folding your hands, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm all over the place. So this helps me. It is not necessary. All right? So those are things, those are traditional things. But what they did is they stood and they said, look at me, look at me. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. I am such a brilliant man. I am going ahead and standing at attention. I'm in the synagogues, which is a show of piety, and I'm standing on the street corner so everybody can see me. That's a lack of humility. Does that mean you should never pray in public? No. That doesn't mean you should never play in, pray in public. It just means when you're standing on the street corner yelling and screaming, you know, the end is near and you're praying out loud, who are you doing that for? You're doing it for you. You're doing it for a show. So what should the disciples do? Go to a quiet place. Pray straight to the Father. This is going to hurt some of my recovering Catholics, Craig. Is that what you said? I've, I've had many Catholic friends say to me, they pray to Mary because Jesus is busy and what son wouldn't listen to his mother? True story, right? I mean, I get it. But is, is that necessary? I know I hurt some feelings here. I'm just, it's scripture. You need no intermediary. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. That's part of the Trinity. You pray to Jesus, one-on-one. We don't need an intermediary. We don't need saints. I had a friend tell me, man, his wife had passed away, and 16 years he was single, and he said, I just got on my knees. I prayed to God. I prayed to my, ex or my, my uh, wife who had passed. I prayed to my mom. I prayed to all kinds of stuff. And then God sent me, or then, then they sent me a wife. I said, well, now you know God sent you the wife. He said, well, I think they all did. I said, you know, God sent you the wife. What is going on with this? Am I, am I doing that? Oh, here we go. Thank you. Thank you for the sound. Does this look better? No. I like this. This makes me look like Justin Timberlake. Right? See? The other thing he mentions here, don't babble like I'm doing. Empty phrases going on and on and on. O Elohim on high, praise the great Shekinah glory. And they just went on and on and on because, oh, look how, look how eloquent they are. What God wants to do is for you to be real with him and have a conversation. And this is what Jesus is going to teach the disciples. And then too many words. Pray with clear motives. At times, we have a subconscious idea that if we beat on God's door long enough, He'll answer the way we want. We can pester him into our will, right? Right? You ever have a kid do that? Oh, yeah. Everyone's shaking their head. Mom, 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 dad, 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 mom, ice cream, ice cream. How about ice cream? Come on, please. And you're like, all right, shut up, here. <laughs> See, God doesn't do that because he's not us. See, we just want him to shut up. <laughs> God never wants you to shut up. But you're not going to pester him into doing something that he doesn't will. In Ecclesiastes 5, it says, let your words be few. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, as Scripture says, the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus. Let your words be few. And then he says at the end, verse 8, don't be like them, the Pharisees, for the Father knows what you need before you ask. So now we get into divine sovereignty. Everybody know what that means? Sovereignty. God knows everything. 
He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. Amen? So why do we pray? He already knows what's going to happen. So what, what are we asking for? Now I got everybody stumped. And then we keep praying and praying, and he asks us to. So we pray and we pray and we pray in his name and we pray and we pray and we're like a cosmic vending machine. If I keep praying, putting money into the prayer slot, he's going to give me what I want. B8, blink, here come the Reese's, right? And sometimes we think that's how it works. You've all heard, that. oh, just pray in his name and everything will happen. Okay? He is not a cosmic ATM that says he'll take care of everything we need. But sometimes we treat it like that. But one of the things we look at uh, when we talk about reconciling the differences between his sovereignty and that cosmic vending machine, he asks us to pray, right? That's what Tammy said. But what he wants to know, you pray with the motives of your heart. Okay, and I'll, I'll share with you some stuff in a little bit uh, about a, a motive of somebody going through a tremendous trial and it just spoke to me this week. I saw it last night, and I added it to this. John MacArthur said, pray rightly, to pray rightly is to pray with a devout heart and pure motives. What should your motives be to do his will? Where should your heart be with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because when you got saved, you surrendered your heart to who? Him. Is that right? Every person in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Die to yourself. So wouldn't I want what he wants for me? Then if we pray outside of his will, are we, are we wrong? Scripture says yes. We pray into his will. If our requests are sincere and not according to his will, he will answer. No. Or not yet. You ever had a no? Why? Because it hadn't happened yet. Sometimes you pray and you go, hey, you know, Lord, I've been praying for this for 30 years. And he's like, okay, keep waiting. How many years did Jews walk around the desert? 40? Take another lap. Right? Take another lap. Because you guys aren't listening. Or sometimes you're just not ready for it yet. We pray to glorify God, not to beg and plea, although we do that too. If we pray to glorify God, and he's all-knowing, we should understand that whatever the result, we know that that's what's best for us. That's hard to stomach, isn't it? But Lord, I want this. I really feel I want this. Nope, you don't want that. Daddy, I want a pony. How many of you guys got a yard for a pony? How many times your kids ask for one? I mean, we've got a 16-foot backyard, kids. Come on. We ain't going to give you a pony. I want a pony. No. I want a car, a fast car. No. All right, yes, because you pestered me, and they crashed the fast car. True story. It was Jason's or Jordan's fault because it was Corey at Cal Baptist. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he knows what's best. So now let's get into the Lord's Prayer. This is why it's the model prayer and not the Lord's Prayer. Look at verse 9. Did Jesus say, pray this? Where did I go here? Whoops. Jesus didn't say, pray this. 
What did he say in verse 9? This then is how you should pray. Okay? But how did we get mixed up into, well, I'm just going to say the Lord's Prayer because Jesus said to. It's not the Lord's Prayer. So if you learn nothing else today, this is not the Lord's Prayer. And you tell somebody that, and they just cock their head like, ooh, really? And then you explain it to them. So the point is, we get into Scripture and we read it for what it is, not what we think it is. That's where we get, it's really dangerous when we read Scripture for what we want out of it, not what it truly says. Pray then like this. Now, the Lord's Prayer, or the model prayer, is also in Luke 1, or Luke 11, verse 1. It says right here, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. John the Baptist, right? Now, what's important here, when he finished praying, that means he was finished, he was done, he was done praying, he was moving on to the next thing. And what happened is the disciples looked at him and said, dude, what, what did you just do? What, we just watched you pray. Now, did the Jews know about prayer? Of course they did. The Kaddish, the Kaddish, the Shema, the 18 prayers. Do you know they had 18 prayers? A good Jew would have 18 prayers three times a day, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. Every single day. They knew about prayer. And, you know, and, and, and what the disciples watched Jesus and they said, what you just did was something different. They had a rich tradition with prayer, but there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. It was more personal. So in the last few minutes, I want to I break down the basics of prayer. Um, I didn't go 51 minutes. Wait a minute, that's wrong. Anyway, they got a timer up there and a big yellow light. Um, Old Testament prayers mostly started with the Father, the word Father, a non-personal spirit who is all-encompassing. If you read about a, a Isaiah and you read Elijah and you read Jeremiah and you read all those, they talk about Father this all-encompassing Lord who they didn't really understand in a personal relationship with. But Jesus said something different. He said, right here, our Father, or the word Abba. It's not a band in Sweden, okay? Abba, Father. You know what Abba stands for? Daddy. You ever start a prayer? Hey, Daddy. Okay? I got six grandkids. The boys, they don't, they don't say Daddy. Those three little girls, my granddaughters, they call me Boppy. Okay, now you know, family secret. They climb in my lap. They don't say, hello, grandfather. It's not a Mary Poppins thing. Hello. I have some more tea, please? They say, Boppy, can, can I have this? Or Boppy, can I just hug you? I mean, that's a term of endearment. It's the same thing that's happening here. Daddy. Daddy who is in heaven. That's a personal relationship, and the disciples saw that. Hallowed be your name. What does that hallowed mean? It means reverence. A lot of times uh, uh, we, we see people pray, or we even see the culture today, and they've, they've taken the reverence away from God. You know, awe and trembling hasn't, it's not an Old Testament word. We should be in awe of God, and we should tremble in his sight. Correct? That hasn't changed. So he says, this is way more personal. Daily bread. 
God gives us enough provisions for our needs, not our wants. That's why the prosperity gospel is dangerous. If you pray enough, and if you send me 1995 in an envelope, you will have riches. I will take care of your debts. Who takes care of our debts? Well, our spiritual debts, Christ takes. His sin, I mean, his taking sin and his death on the cross. Who takes care of our debts? You do, by changing the way you, you live. Okay, you're not going to pray your way out of that. You're going to pray your way into a disciplined life. But some people will teach differently, and that's just, that's just not biblical. He gives us what we want, not necessarily what we need, and it says his will, not ours. Do we really understand his will for our life? Lord, Lord, I'm going to need this. Uh, no, you're not. Uh, 1992, um, we, we were struggling financially. Uh, my company that I had failed, and we moved to Michigan, Port Huron, Michigan. You don't take two Costa Mesa kids and move them to Port Huron, Michigan. We don't even have a coat. Um, we moved our three little boys there, and we're like, what the heck is going on? I'm a brand new Christian, and Lori's like, okay, I guess we're going to do this. Not real happy about it. When are you bringing me back? And those four years and one day, I wasn't counting, but four years and one day in Michigan, in 1996, we moved back, and the Lord had solidified our family there. We went to a small church of about 80 people, and it was just amazing how the Lord used us and used that little church to speak to us in that little town. And I don't think our family would have been as close as it is today without that. Um, sometimes God gives you the test first and the lesson later, right? And you don't know why. You're like, why, why is this happening? But then when it happens, you look back maybe five, six, ten years later and you go, oh, that's why. And that was the right thing to do. Because it was his will and it was his plan. That was not our will and not our plan. I was going to start a business and be rich. Didn't work out that way. Jesus talks a little about forgiveness, but Roger talked about that last week. Retali retaliation and loving enemies. Um, we're for one and not the other, but I think you get to pick, right? Retaliation. If you're for, re no, it's, we're against retaliation and we're for loving your enemies. And the third thing is temptation and deliver, delivering us from evil. Now, temptation. Does that mean God tempts us or does he allow temptation? Well, Scripture tells us in James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So this is the plea here, for God to watch over our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our feet, and our hands. Whatever we see, hear, or say, any place we go and anything we do, we ask for protection from sin. He's not going to lead you there, but you're asking him to protect you and give you a way out. So the last point, Scripture teaches us how not to pray. You guys all know how to pray, or most of you, you raised your hand. God wants to hear from you, Amen. If any of this is confusing, how Jesus modeled the prayer, okay, do I have to read this? Do I have to read our Father? Do I have to say these words? You do not have to say these words. But there's acrostics, and that's a big word for me. There's one that is pray. Uh, praise, repent, ask, and thank you. That's a good way to remember. 
but the one I was taught a long time ago, and some of you know this, Acts. How do I structure my prayer? All right, Jesus, here's my list. I'm going to need some stuff. I need this and this and this and this. No. The model prayer starts with adoration. Daddy in heaven, you are so awesome. We are here to glorify you, right? And then we confess. Well, sometimes we miss that in our prayers, don't we? But Scripture talks about if you don't confess your prayers, how can they be forgiven? Then thanksgiving. Lord, how great is your faithfulness. We sang that in this last song. It is awesome. And then supplication. That's a big word for saying axing. Asking. Sorry, that's my Baton Rouge. Asking. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And if this helps you, that's great. Um, the Acts acrostic will help you structure your prayer. But make no mistake, the Lord wants to hear from you, but he really wants to hear from your heart. And he knows your motives, doesn't he? He knows your motives. All right? Let's close in prayer. This prayer was shared with me by a, by a good friend, and, and uh, I'm just going to share it with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, Daddy, Abba, we exist to glorify you. We ask your Holy Spirit to blaze through our church and give us a heart for prayer. Lord, we ask for bold, authentic prayers that bear our souls as we storm the heavens to our God. Our God who truly does ride the wings of prayer. As we glorify you and you alone, let everyone walk out of here and know that Jesus is in town. I pray a hedge of protection around the people of Foothills as the evil one will try to distract and discourage us. God, help our congregation understand that the words we pray are not as important as the attitudes of our heart. Cover us in the blood of the Lamb and use us mightily for your purpose and for your glory. And all God's people said, amen.